You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. This is Debbie. Hey, Christy. Hello. We are both here, ready to go, ready to podcast, (laughs) ready to do our thing, (laughs) ready to move. On a beautiful day. On a beautiful day. Mm -hmm. It is gorgeous. It Mm -hmm. is so gorgeous. We love it. And every time it's a beautiful day in the mid-70s, we're probably going to comment on it for a while Mm -hmm. because we have PTSD from this past summer Mm -hmm. of 115 Mm -hmm. degrees day after day. And we have an amazing guest today on the podcast. We'll be excited to introduce her. But it, before then, do you have a question for us? Are we going to just solve the world's problems in the next 15 minutes? Jesus has Ms. done Christine? that, so we don't need to try it. No, I'm just kidding. That's true. <laughs> what a relief it is. Oy. It is fun, though. Um, we didn't talk about this, but how many people are talking about Jesus and talking about end times and talking about their faith with all the craziness that's taking place? So with that being, with all the craziness in yeah. Israel, is yes. what I'm Which referencing right there. Um, it's just sad to me, though, to watch. Oh, Ugh. it's, hor- do you watch It's it? horrifying. Well, I can't anymore. I don't watch it. Just, no, I, I did. I feel like there's an element for me that is like, okay, I made myself watch some because I was like, I need to know mm-hmm. these stories. Like, these mm-hmm. are people that God made that are hurting. Which I did the same thing with Ukraine. I always do. Like, war is just a hard, horrible thing. Um, but the shock of this one has mm. just been extraordinary in the depravity in the utter, utter, utter evil mm-hmm. that they, ugh, that, you know, Hamas has brought, you know, I know we shouldn't be surprised, but I still am at We're the always utter surprised by evil, evil of man. Yeah. Um, and so, so it deep is, it's dark. Just, Nothing it is. you could imagine that people would do and heard someone say they are committing, they're not playing the rules of war. No, like they've gone way. They're and this is right after, and it was like, yep, mm-hmm. there's rules and war, and they've gone far beyond. It is people like to comment on the the prophecy side, like what does this mm-hmm. mean? And I think that's a that's where I tend to go to not yeah. dwell on the gross and the evil. Like where's Jesus? Where's God working? In well, we've talked about this. I do find I know this isn't what we're talking about today, but I do find that interesting that you and I go in different directions. Oh, we always I, do. We do. <laughs> you tell the story yesterday yeah. about your phone or my my phone or your phone on the text message. Oh my word! I can't. That is that was funny. Mm-hmm. Speaking of going different directions, yeah. So we're what were we doing? We were looking. We were trying to figure out. Um, you know, you didn't have a date on your calendar, so right. we really were looking to see if I had sent it to you. We're looking at who's in the wrong here. That's right. <laughs> and it was me. It was very much Debbie. So I was like, okay, well, Laura said this day. Okay, confirmed. And I was like, let me go check my text messages with you. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, So Christy's showing both of us her phone. <laughs> yeah. And you know how it's blue is if it's your phone. Yeah. And then, or blue or green, if your phone. And then it's like gray. gray. Mm-hmm. And so Debbie's leaning over my shoulder. And she was like, see, that's my response. It's in blue. And see, I think you might have said it twice. I don't remember. Yeah. Just enough. To, oh, I, was, I, was, I had a moment to pause and be yeah. like. I don't, I don't know how to respond to her right now. Cause so I just gently looked at Debbie and went, this, this is my phone. <laughs> this is my blue phone. My response to you. <laughs> and Debbie died. It was great. I was laughing uh-huh. so hard. Uh-huh. I just she was, was convinced. Like, like, see, I responded. I responded. And I was like, no. I was, you're like, no. You were so nice and sweet and fun. And just so quiet and calm and Debbie. Which no. you saw inside my head though for like, shoot, is this her phone? Whose phone is this? I swear that's I, my response. And, and it is one thing too that Jamie's like, sometimes we're talking, he's like, honey, you're so passionate that like you'll convince me you're right. Yeah. And I really will think I am. Yeah. And then he's like, but then I have to go, no, no, you're not. That's exactly. <laughs> thank you, Jamie. That's how I felt yesterday in that moment standing in the office. And I don't mean, and he's, and then, I mean, so he'll have to go, honey. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, but once you show me, I'm good. Yeah, I'm not great. like, uh-huh. but it is, I am very passionate in my responses. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm sure oh, I'm correct. That's me. That's me. No, I swear <laughs> that's my, my head is thinking, I swear that's. This is my phone. No, And this then I just looked right. at you. This is my phone. 
Right. That, oh, I laughed all, I needed a moment. (laughs) Yesterday was, there was, I mean, every day's got moments of hard, but it was fun to have a moment of levity. That was really fun. Okay, well, good. I am okay making fun of myself. Uh Oh, we have to be, right? That was my, what what kind of moment do you call that? I hate airhead. To me, that's, that doesn't sound right. But what would that, that what kind of moment would that be? That was my, Uh, I don't know. Your laughing my, moment, your I, moment of joy, your my, I'm a goofball yeah. moment of levity. Don't yeah. take yourself seriously. seriously. Whatever moment. Oh, that's day. not taking yourself seriously. It was yeah. just a miscommunication. Oh my <laughs> word! It was so funny. It was so great. Okay, so with that being said, I do have a question for you. Yes. Have you? What is your biggest miracle you've seen God work in your life? Uh, biggest miracle I've seen. Somebody God asked work in me. My life. I can say it. Brochelle asked me. I had lunch with her today. It was fabulous, and she asked me that question, and I thought. That's a great question. So what is your answer? To well, that? I think, you know, I don't know that I have just one, to be honest. I mean, I'm thinking of the What's time. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? My babies, like, um, they had, uh, John is so bad, like, mm. brain damage territory. John is, like, it's a, a physiological, like... And so if it wasn't for my mom, we wouldn't have known to take Joel to the hospital. Mm. And so because of her pointing some things out we did and thank goodness because mm-hmm. he ended up on double bank lights for like a week oh wow like we could what only take him off bad like so we had, look, i had two look, that had jaundice that were they were in the sun all the time so it is different than mm-hmm. um so we were doing that some at home thinking okay but mom was like no this is beyond that and so mm-hmm. um when you you know push your finger on their skin and you lift it off mm-hmm. if there's a just a big tinge of white versus just kind of a subtle change that was one lethargy, just general lethargy, mm. not being able to stay awake. Um, he had gotten really, really lethargic even for a week year old, you know, mm. and um, a week year old, a week year old, a week old, mm. a there week old. Mm-hmm. There's my other moment. <laughs> I'm tired, people. <laughs> well, that's a good. A week year old. I've been doing that more lately. People have been like, I have missed, uh, missed, missed. Messed up my words. I mess so up many all times. The time, so it's fun when other people do it. Oh, um, and so we, I took him in and they tested him and it was, he was bad. So mm-hmm. his, he was extremely high, um, to the point where they were like, okay, he either has to come into the hospital and be put in the NICU or we can find, they just spent, the pediatrician spent some time cause you have the lights, you pretty much put them in the spacesuit on, um, when you're at home, but then you also had these other um, lights that you wrap around their body in addition to the one oh, you wow. velcro them down on and then velcro um, them down on you so have they to can't move so they can't move um do you think it's different now since technology's probably gone I'm no worried. this was the technology and this, this is, is all they have now ago. yeah it was but this is still what they do this is still what yeah they do. because the other thing is giving them um high nutrient formula so they of course poop a lot mm-hmm. right and i was nursing so they're like, you need to feed formula every other feeding, which made me cry. He was mm-hmm. my first kid. And then um, put him on this double. Ma- and he was on there for a week. Uh, and um, the number, we had to take him in for testing often. So then we had our second baby, and it was the same. It was bad. Um, her numbers were up, too. Not quite as bad as Joel's because we knew to look for it. Mm-hmm. So we caught it, but she was on lights as well. But then we had... Our third, Isabella, and um, the pediatrician warned us and said, you need to tell them, because usually you don't test for jaundice until day two. Mm. Um, But the pediatrician said, you need to test. Like, as soon as she's out of the womb, you need to tell them they need to test. And so I'm out of it after I have our babies always. So Jamie's kind of in charge of my medication Mm -hmm. and the kid, everything. And we had it down by the third. (laughs) So he pretty much, as soon as Isabella was born, he told the nurses, and he, he said, you need to test her right now for jaundice. And the nurse blew him off. Was like, no, we do it day two. It's fine, whatever. Well, thankfully, my husband is who he is. (laughs) So he pretty much follows them to the nursery with the baby. And he finds another nurse. And he takes her to her cradle. And he says, you need to test her for jaundice right now. I'm I'm standing here until you do it. And so she did. And her numbers were high. And they called her pediatrician. And he canceled his appointments that afternoon. And came to check her because her numbers were so bad. Mm. She had to be on double bank lights then, of course, and formula. And so she had to go to the NICU. And um, I had to stay. We had to stay multiple days in the hospital um, before we left. And so they got me a room in the hospital. And so then we went home and she was still on double banks again Mm -hmm. for another several days. But 
the pediatrician came to see me when we were in the hospital and we were talking and I said, so what does this mean for baby? Cause we were talking about having mm-hmm. four. He's like, well, this is a hard time to have that conversation. You just had baby three. He said, but I mean, you and I have talked about before, but after this, I mean, I think your fourth would need a blood transfusion when they're born. Wow. Um, so it's up to you guys what you want to mm-hmm. do with that. But he said, I'm pretty sure that that's what. So each kid was progressively, progressively worse. worse. He said each symptom. kid's getting progressively worse and they just. Is it something that your body as a mom does not produce? Like, what is that? I wonder. It has to do. Or he he said nutrients? there's still stuff they don't understand that they're learning even after all this time with mm-hmm. jaundice. He said, but the physiological one that we have has to do with not our positive negative blood, but our his a b and my o so for whatever reason the makeup that goes together does not your liver doesn't do what it needs to do and so um you know so it creates problems in your babies but there were lots of little things that could have gone wrong um with all of our kids so and i feel like every birth is a miracle because there's so many possibilities that are hard yes but when the baby's born with something already something else mm-hmm. going on that in itself is a miracle for them to yeah and so I I mean I think about that like if it wasn't for my mom and God having her there I mean yeah. I don't know what would have happened because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known I would not have even known it's crazy. um you know so there's little things like that like yeah. in my life and you know all the r- relationships we've had that have been just little miracles in our lives mm-hmm. um it's fun though to think about the miracles it is. Like you view it that like, way. About, like, these yeah. are miracles. These are supernatural things God has done in our life yeah. that nobody else can take credit for. Like right. I think of Amy and Brad Everett, like mm-hmm. that's a miracle. I think it's the power of prayer. Yeah. Like people coming together and praying instantly and just watching God work miracles in their life. Yes. As he's been in the hospital. And that's Brad is someone who works in, um, not yeah, works who here, but volunteers, volunteers awesome volunteer. here, yeah, Both of here them and they go here and yeah, he just, he's in the hospital for some hard, hard, mm-hmm. hard things and yeah, God. Well, he's in the hospital miracle from a, a heart for a heart issue. attack. Yes, heart attack. Yeah. But watching him come back from mm-hmm. that and the it's prayers incredible. that went into it, like Kim Nelson and I would text, that's a miracle. Let's go. Yeah. Like, don't claim, mm-hmm. don't claim, don't claim medicine, don't claim doctors. Like, that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. And then we can claim the doctors and the and the the medicine. But that's a true miracle too. Well, I think all good things. That's what we have to remember. Like this. I mean, if you truly believe this world is as bad as you know, it's depraved. It's messed up. There's not anything that is untouched by you know sin mm-hmm. depravity so if you think all good things come from god that means we're really kind of surrounded by miracles every day that we don't even totally realize or recognize so how often you do know? we give god the glory in that right probably not often probably not where he's yeah. like oh you should have yeah. given me the glory yeah that, that was from me people or can we and can we walk just step by step every day giving glory to god for all the good things like mm-hmm. is that something we can work on intentionally doing like mm-hmm. um I think you that's know. what's so great about Sam's story is that she does that. Mm-hmm. And she Our, does that well. Who we're having on the podcast yeah. today, yes. Mm-hmm. She does that really well. And she does that she well does. after walking through a hard season. But even when you hear her talking about that season, her gratefulness for the people that were in her life at the time. Yes. That people could be mad and bitter because they were having babies. and they, I mean, I could, you just hear it play out going, hey, this could be so different if she wasn't walking with the spirit at the time. Yes. Yeah. And it becomes, I think, especially important to recognize God's work and miracles in your life. With the hard, 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 hardness mm-hmm. that is going, that goes on. Like, you know, I just, if you can't find the little joys like that, or even the big ones, mm-hmm. um, I think life will drown you. It's the hope. It's the hope yeah. that it provides. It mm-hmm. builds. So what's your miracle? Being married 20 years. That's Being so easy. married 20 years. <laughs> you came up with that fast, Christy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like that's a miracle. Well, we just celebrated our 20 year anniversary. Aww. And so I always think like. That's a miracle. As a product of a divorced family mm. and then just life, like, oh, cry thinking about it. Like just yeah. 20 years with the same person and not ever jumping ship, but wanting to jump ship on my end and I'm sure on his end. And then just life is hard that you have to just kind of grin and bear it. I was telling her, you grin and bear it some seasons, you're joyful some seasons, you're crying, but you're still in it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you're like, we're not, le- I'm not leaving this. I'm not leaving this. You can be a total jerk. I can be a jerk, but we're going to figure this out. And so I think that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind besides baby. And I don't even think of babies and kids. Like I think marriage is hard. And I don't think people that have been married, the ones that have been married longer, I think they see it as a miracle because mm-hmm. you've kind of might've worked through some of those. Oh, totally. But I think that for me, that's a big miracle. 
I would agree with you. I remember being married. The first year we were married, it was fine. It was the second year that got hard. Yeah. And then by the third year, but I remember being married on the fifth year and someone like, wow, five years. And I was like, it's a miracle. <laughs> I feel like every anniversary, I'm like, it's a miracle. Praise the Lord. We're still together. <laughs> I just think Satan does everything he can to pull yeah. marriages apart. And mm-hmm. some people are just, it's just marriage is great and easy. And some marriages, I just say that about parenting. Like for some people, parenting is easy and no big deal. And then for some people, parenting is the hardest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And I say that about marriages for some people, marriage is easy and a breeze, but marriage is hard for other people. Yeah. And so I think I fall in that marriage is hard camp where parenting is easier for me. Ah, interesting. Yeah. yeah there's a whole podcast on that. Like which one, that would be a good one. Like no, I'd cry where's your, where's your, <laughs> yeah. Where are the things that come easy? Where are the things that are harder you've had to work on? And the Lord is in all of that. All of it. Yeah. The and Lord I'm is in all of it for it all. Yeah. Little miracles the whole time. That's amazing. That's awesome. Well, we do have on our podcast today, um, we have Sam Mm -hmm. who has um, a story full of miracle, full of sadness, full of Mm -hmm. joy, um, full of blessings, full of community, um, all of it. But the way she tells it is sweet Mm -hmm. and it does, and it will make you cry a little bit. And it is a story of loss. Um, but it's a story how God, how God is in the loss. Mm -hmm. Um, and she tells it well, she does. Mm -hmm. She tells her story well. So, um, we hope everybody listen, we hope you guys are blessed by the story. Um, but yeah, it is, it can be hard. It can be hard, but it's Mm -hmm. also really sweet. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, we have, that is it from our little intro. So, um, here's the interview. So we're here today with our interview, our special guest, Sam. We're so happy to have her. And um, actually, our audience may know her already from reading our blog. Wrestling with God? one of our, yeah, she's one of mm-hmm. our blog writers. Um, it was so great, too. It's it is. She's, it's fun to see what she writes. and um, But also, we get to have her on with us. Yay, Thanks for having me, guys. exciting. Mm. Yes. But we're going to let Christy, you're going to introduce Sam. Mm-hmm. This is Sam Martin. She's got two little people that come to Sunshine here. Yep. And then um, we actually live in the same neighborhood. We both live in downtown Frisco. It's true. Which We've is been there so fun. Ten years now, which is crazy. Really? Yeah. How long have we been there? I don't know. We, know. we we got in there before it was cool. To same be down here. There. <laughs> so when we got in our house, I'll never forget. I think we've been there ten years. Too. When we um, moved or when we looked at the house, I'll never forget. Our agent was like, "Why do you? What do you want to do?" And I was oh. like. Yeah, look at this backyard. I just wanted it for the backyard. No he one was understood like, no why one. we were buying this no. tiny little two-bedroom, 100-year-old house yes. in the middle of dead downtown Frisco. Yeah. But here we are. Here we are. We love it. It's and so I can't fun. imagine what y'all's houses are worth now. Yes. I mean, you yeah. can't sell it. You can't move anywhere else. No. Even if you I take know. that money, where are you going to go? I but yeah. I mean, it is that over in y'all's area is where it is mm-hmm. happening right now. People are building and moving mm-hmm. and adding on and yeah, it's, mm-hmm. all it's, kinds it's of fun stuff. It's a happening place. It is. So Sam's joining us today because she's going to tell us about Hope Mommies, where she um, runs the Dallas chapter. Yep. It's a national nonprofit, but you run the Dallas chapter. And then um, you're also on our MOPS program here. Yep publicist and a table leader and then we both used to work at legacy christian i did i was um, at legacy for five years but i also graduated from legacy oh i remember that i didn't yeah. know that i went to high school there ninth through 12th graduated in 2007 and then worked from 2012 to 2017 so how long have you been in frisco um i well i grew up in the dallas area but my parents moved from farmer's branch to frisco in 2003 so okay. 20 years I have been like really in Frisco. I left for college, but not far. Yeah. Just A&M. Yeah. <laughs> Just A&M. You're an Aggie. <laughs> Y'all are both Aggies. That's, That's right. Nice. It is nice. Class of? 2011. Okay. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Why would you ask that question? I just, I For still fun. like it. I know. Even if it makes me feel really well, old, it it's used to, still fun. 2011 used to be like a couple of years ago, and yeah. that is not the case no. anymore either. So, But when you're 95... <laughs> That's a whole different ball. That's a whole nother like generation. That's funny. Okay, so Sam is with us today. Tell us a little bit about Hope Mamas and how you got involved in that. Yes. And the reason for. um, Hope Mommies is a nationwide ministry that supports women who have experienced pregnancy loss, stillbirth, and infant loss. Um, I wish I had known about Hope Mommies um, when I miscarried my first pregnancy. Um, that was an incredibly 
difficult and isolating season. All of my friends were starting to get pregnant and have babies all at the same time. And um, when I was the first to get pregnant and then have a miscarriage, I was just in a really dark and Mm -hmm. angry space. How Um, far along were you? I was eight weeks Mm -hmm. pregnant um, when I lost our first baby was like two days shy of having that first ultrasound had Mm. to go to the ER it was a fairly traumatic um thing and then around me everybody's getting pregnant having pregnancy announcements and I was just so angry um but did not know Hope Mommies existed at that point um it would have been really helpful one of our main ministries is called a Hope Box um it's got comfort items, a Bible study, grief resources, um, specifically geared to pregnancy and infant loss. Um, but did not know about it at that time. And just a few months after I miscarried, we found out that we were expecting again. Um, and we did the, oh, you know, all the things you do with a first pregnancy. Um, wait, did you wait? Did you feel like you needed to get over a certain hump since you had experience loss at eight weeks where you're like, we're not talking about till 12 weeks or yes. Yeah. We, we told our very close people because I was kind of a basket case Mm -hmm. during those first several weeks. Um, but no, we did not tell anybody widely until, um, we got kind of to that 12 week mark. Um, and at that 12 week mark, we did the early genetic screening Mm -hmm. that they have these days. We just wanted to know if we were having a boy or girl, we were going to give all the information at the same time. And the day before my 12-week appointment, when we would have gotten all of that information, my midwife called me and said, hey, I have the results from your genetic screening. Do you want to know if you're having a boy or a girl? And I remember being very confused about why she had called me because I knew Spencer and I were both going to be in her office the next day for this very thing. Um, And so I kind of said, no, I figured we would find out together tomorrow at our appointment. And I heard her kind of take a breath and she said, well, there is something from your genetic screening that I want to tell you right now. It looks pretty likely that your baby has Down syndrome. Mm. And so at that point, my head starts reeling and you by yourself too. I was by myself. I think I was literally like in the car at the post office. Um, so I, Head starts reeling, have all these questions, but pretty quickly was like, wait, I do need to know, is it a boy or a girl? I need this hypothetical kid with Down syndrome to become a person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she let me know that we were having a boy um, and got off the phone with her, called my husband at work and very unceremoniously, um, you know, didn't give him an opportunity to like, hey, babe, do you need to like, can you step away from what he's in like a huge office with all open seating and. I just word vomited on him as soon as he answered the phone. Janine called me. We're having a baby where it's a boy and he has Down syndrome. Um, And so my husband, after being blindsided by me, gathered up his stuff, comes home, and we spent the next several hours of that day just crying and Googling and Mm -hmm. asking questions and thinking through all of the things that this meant, you know, the whole denial of there's false positives, there's all the things. Um, But it was was a very, very long afternoon mm. that day. Um, at one point, we realized he needed to grieve um, what the loss of the expectation of a son. I think it was harder for him because it was a boy and he had all of these, this is what it's going to be to have a son images in his head and having a son with Down syndrome was going to be very different. Um, and I just needed him to be happy. Mm. And he wasn't. And so at that point, we... Um, this is one of the moments in my marriage I'm the most proud of. We realized we could not be what the other person needed right then. And so he called one of his best friends and I went over to my parents' house and Travis came over and did the sit in the sad and the disappointment and the lost expectations with Spencer while I went over to my parents' house and celebrated our son and whoever he was going to be. And I also remember calling my best friend Molly, who was a special ed teacher at the time, And I think I had probably sent out a text to all my closest friends just to, hey, could you some prayers? And they knew we were getting results around that time. Um, So the second I called her, she goes, does he have Down syndrome? (laughs) Literally, or does the baby? I don't think I'd said it was a boy. Um, Does the baby have Down syndrome? And she was so excited. So progressed through that pregnancy. Lots of tests and things. Finally did an amniocentesis to confirm that he did have Down syndrome. 
Um, he had two small little holes in his heart as well. So, you know, there's health concerns that come up with Down syndrome. We were seeing a cardiologist, going to a maternal fetal medicine doctor, mm. all the things through the whole pregnancy. Um, but the upside was we got to see him all the time. Mm. Um, so that was pretty neat. Um, and around the 30 week mark, I opted to do a 3d ultrasound. I was tired of all of my doctor's appointments, all the scans being to talk about what was wrong with my baby. And I just wanted one where all we did was look at how cute my baby was. Mm. I wanted, I just wanted it to feel like a normal pregnancy for a minute. And so we did a 3d ultrasound at my OB's office. Um, and it was with an ultrasound tech in the evening. No doctors were there. Um, but I, you know, they do the scan, pull up the 3D, and I was flabbergasted by how fat my baby was. <laughs> Guys, he had the biggest cheeks I've ever seen and like triple chins. Um, and I remember thinking, he's really cute, but also why does he look like that? Mm. Because that, it just, it didn't, things didn't line up. And left that appointment. Did you feel good, perplexed, confused? Mostly just confused. I mean, I, it did not, I've seen a lot of babies, a -hmm. lot of ultrasounds and it just, he did not look like I knew a 30 week old baby should look. Um, did anybody say that's what a kid looks like with downs in the womb? No, we had already, I mean, we knew some of the characteristics. Um, and one of the things with down syndrome, a lot of the time is there's, um, a lack of a nose bone, but Max had a nose bone. We'd seen all of that kind of stuff, um, in previous scans. So went home just with a weird feeling Mm. that this, it was not what I thought it was going to be. And the next morning, got a call first thing from their office saying I needed to go see my specialist. Um, go in back to my specialist who I hadn't seen in several weeks. And she told us that Max had a condition called hydrops, um, which is where they have taken on fluid in multiple body cavities. So he had um, fluid in his abdomen and extreme swelling and edema all over his face mm. and neck, which was what we had seen on that ultrasound but the ultrasound tech was not a doctor, so she was not qualified to tell us. Yeah, they're not allowed to tell you wrong. anything. Oh. Absolutely. And I had so, had so yeah. many appointments by this point. I knew, knew what felt looks. normal. Yes. I knew when yes. things were taking too long and something wasn't being said. It's true. Um, and so. How can you do that job? It's oh, hard. I know. I can't. Really it's so hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I. Have, and you have to keep your face. Yes. You can't show anything on your face. I have nothing but empathy for all of Me the too. medical professionals who have. <laughs> walked through all of this um so go into that appointment with the specialist find out that he has high drops um and at that point we were told well there's a lot to do with high drops um she didn't give me a ton of information I googled which don't recommend a lot of googling um I I would decide I would say at this point though it's literally impossible not to I know I know right like you say you shouldn't but I don't know anyone who can't I know it's so I should have I should have asked more questions in the first place but you know you're just getting bombarded with medical terminology and you know we'd already gotten over he has down syndrome he has holes in his heart and might need surgery but this new thing that I'd never heard of um, and with high drops, it is frequently fatal, but usually earlier in pregnancy and the farther in that it is diagnosed, the less fatal it mm. is. And my MFM did not use the term fatal with us at all. Um, so left that appointment with, all right, you're now going to the doctor twice a week. You'll see your midwife once a week. You'll be here once a week. Lots of scans, lots of. Um, non-stress tests all the way. Um, and she said, one of these days you're going to walk in for an appointment and you're going to leave and go straight to the hospital and have a baby Mm -hmm. because at some point he will be easier to help outside than inside. Um, so that was probably the very beginning of December that, um, all of that happened and, um, went through all of December, very suddenly went from, super teeny tiny first pregnancy slow growth to giant like over Mm. a course of three weeks Mm. um, which we found out later I had some degree of mirror syndrome so as his body took on fluid mine took on fluid also Um, so if you look at pictures of me from Thanksgiving to Christmas that year it is 
unreal. Oh, it so looks like I am very... six weeks, six months more pregnant in the course of a month. You were probably very uncomfortable too then. Yes. In addition to this, just the yes. emotional roller coaster you yeah. on physically, and it, was, it had begun It was a hard, hard pregnancy. Um, having gone through two more typical pregnancies after that, I know I felt the worst with that. And I was probably because his little body was sick and my body mm-hmm. was having to do a lot more mm-hmm. to, to work, work yeah. and keep him okay. Um, so on December 27th of 2016, I was like halfway through cleaning up my Christmas tree and stopped, got lunch on the way and went to an appointment with my MFM. And during that appointment, you're by yourself. Spencer met me there. Um, During that appointment, we um, she noticed that the cord flow wasn't looking great, and just a few kind of iffy things. And she decided at that point, my dating was super weird with Max. I can't even tell you exactly how far along I was. I was probably 35, 36 weeks Mm -hmm. pregnant at that point. Um, Decided that was the day that they thought he would we'd be able to do more for him outside. So, was told to go home, pack my bags and head to the hospital. Um, And my intention all along had been a totally natural birth, the the no meds, whole thing. Um, And my specialist was fine with that plan. So we headed to the hospital thinking that's what we were going to do. And I get there and my midwife, who is just an absolutely lovely woman, believer, um, (laughs) looked at me, held my hand and goes, oh, no, no, no. I know that was the plan, but we are getting this baby out as quickly as we can, as safely as we can, with everybody standing right there who he will need to help him. And so it went from all natural birth Mm -hmm. to C-section, well, from cleaning up my Christmas tree to go have a natural Mm -hmm. birth to C-section in a matter of three hours. Um, so it was it was a lot. Um, so has she not, I mean, this isn't new at this point. Had she not talked to you about the fact that you were going to need to do a different kind of birthing experience than you had expected? My specialist, who I did not see with future pregnancies, was fine with the idea of me doing all of it. Um, and so... Oh, who you did not see. Sorry. Right. For, sorry. Yes. Yeah, I, got it now. I ended I needed a specialist with my other pregnancies yes. and I found a new one after. Thank you. Okay. Not trusting the medical advice yes. of the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which is common. I get right. it. So she had, okay. she'd been fine with it. And it was my midwife who said, even though this is my purview and I'm the one who should want you to do a natural birth, we are not doing this today. We are going to do the safest, quickest thing with everybody Which there. absolutely sounds correct. Like right? the right choice. With his heart. Debbie's face is yes. perplexed. Like, I, I'm understanding. Were you understanding Correct. This? I'm like, this all does not sound new. Uh-huh. It no, sounds to me like some of the people giving you information through this. It sounds like they did not communicate with each other and no one prepared me appropriately. No. Yes. Even at like, the I very beginning. Yes. <laughs> Do you have a third point too? <laughs> one, you two, you need a third one. <laughs> I'm just feeling, my heart is just feeling for you yeah. because of the literal, literal emotional pummeling, yes. I would say, yes, you took with maybe how people decided to inform yes. you or not Correct. inform you or in not inform places, me. right? And so, so that's just has so to we be walked hard. into this C-section with the knowledge that our son had two holes in his heart, had some fluid on his body that would need to be drained immediately. He'd be in the NICU. He would probably need surgery. Um, so, I mean, we didn't pack any baby stuff, right? Mm-hmm. We were not like, oh, here's all of our clothes and stuff because we knew we didn't have a car He'd seat. Be there for a while. We knew we were not having a baby and going home two days later mm-hmm. with yeah. our baby. Um, but it still continued to kind of snowball and change. Um, but I have a beautiful picture of Janine, my midwife, um, praying over me and Spencer before they took me into the OR for my mm-hmm. C-section. Um, and at... 417 on December 27th, Maxwell Spencer Martin was born. Um, he was truly alive for the one minute before they cut his cord. I have one photo of him like raising his little hand um, and like literally looks like he's waving at us. Um, and then as soon as they cut his cord, they rushed him off to the other side of the room where the you know, NICU doctors and cardiologists and all of the people were, um, and I'm, you know, still on the table, anesthetized, being sewn back up. Um, and 
Are you able to see, like turn your head to see? No, I can't see anything. I mean, there's the sheet in yeah. front of me still. Spencer's next to my head, and that's about all my view. Spencer giving you a play-by-play? Um, I, he was confused between having to know about mm-hmm. me and what's going on over there. Um, and, oh gosh, it was probably 15 minutes or so in. Time is such a time warp um, in that room. But I remember at one point, being having enough presence of mind to hear what the doctors and nurses were saying and realize that they were trying to resuscitate my baby and that Mm. he was not going to live. Um, and so it was probably about 15 minutes into the whole thing that I acknowledged and realized this is not going to end well. Mm. Um, and was overcome by a piece that I cannot explain when that realization occurred. But also somewhere in there, my heart rate skyrocketed. So my poor husband at one point is hearing our baby being resuscitated on one side of the OR, concerned that something horrible is happening to me on the other side as all of the machines start beeping. And um, so it's extremely traumatic for him um, being aware of everybody and everything. And not Um, being able to do anything for anybody. That's the worst for a man. um, And so they officially um, declared that Max had passed at 447 after half an hour of trying to resuscitate him. Um, And so at that point, they brought him over to me, and we got to hold him, and um, we had his little body with us for about 12 hours. And the hospital did a great job of keeping us in, you know, a larger labor and delivery room instead of down in postpartum where there were baby cries to be heard and all of the things. Um, and this was obviously pre-COVID. And so ultimately dozens of our friends and family got to meet him um, right after, you know, when they took me kind of to recovery. How did um, you make that decision? Well, so <laughs> started with, as they took me away, Spencer realized his parents and my parents were at the hospital. Um, they had come when we said, hey, we're going to have the baby. And so he was going to go out and tell them. And my midwife was like, no, no, I can I can go and tell everybody. And Spencer actively wanted to be the one that let them know mm-hmm. and kind of ushered everybody into that with us. Um, so Spencer went out to the waiting rooms, saw our parents, and when my mom saw the look on his face, she immediately jumped to thinking that I had died. Um, and so he let them know everything that had happened, um, and at some point in there, sent a text to all of our friends, letting them know um, that Max had been born and that he had passed away. And they, without communicating with one another, all just hopped in their cars and drove to the hospital. They just knew that whether they saw us or not, they needed to physically be near. Um, so they all kind of descended at the same time and weren't even... And this is your life group that mm-hmm. you've yeah, been that a was our, for yes, a long we, time. Gosh, we started that life group in like 2012, a year after we got married, um, and had spent the first five years just living our lives as single people and all started having babies together. So they were very much our people and still are our closest friends. Um, And so they all came up and weren't even going to let us know that they were there until my mom saw them and was sure that we would want to know that they were there. Um, And so over the course of that evening, we had... All of our best friends in that room, Spencer's siblings, um, my multiple aunts of mine, I think we probably had 30 people total in that room that got to come and hold him. Um, We kind of passed him around. Um, We sang Amazing Grace Mm -hmm. over him. Uh, But like I said, we didn't plan to need anything. And so two of my aunts went to the store and came back with little... um, jammies for him and a blanket and stuff um one of my very best friends Melissa took photos um and so we have just dozens of really really beautiful photos of our boy and Spencer and I with him and all of our friends getting to hold him and meet him um and it was the hardest day that I have ever lived Um, But that hospital room is also the most holy place that I have ever been Mm -hmm. Um, in a room surrounded by people who were 
fully in it with us who were not scared to see death that close. Um, several, my best friend Molly had her three-month-old daughter in there with us. Um, several people were pregnant. Um, and so it was just this confluence of life and death and beauty and pain all in this one place. And it just got to exist. Nobody was having to figure out what could be, what couldn't, how to compartmentalize. It just all was. Um, our pastor at the time came up and um, prayed over us and spent time with us, called a woman from our church um, who had lost her son at two days old. Mm-hmm. Um, and she came up and walked me through the nitty-gritty of you're going to have to decide what to do with his little body and your milk is going to come in because your body isn't going to know that there's nobody to feed. Mm. And just all of these things that I could not have thought of, um, the nurses would have, but hearing it from someone who had walked through it Mm -hmm. at that level um, was really, really meaningful um, and life-giving for me. So, um, yeah, we spent two days at the hospital without a baby, Mm -hmm. um, got to do the, you know, sit in a room that had all the baby stuff in it and fill out a birth certificate and fill out a death certificate all at the same time and, um, then go home without a baby. Um, but that's when I got my hope box from hope mommies. Um, we stock over 30 hospitals in DFW with the boxes. And so um, labor and delivery nurses will give those boxes to women who experience stillbirth or um, neonatal death while they are at the hospital. Um, so the hope box was given to you by the nursing staff because mm-hmm. they have that in there. Right. So what so, is, so tell me what's it, you talked about it a little mm-hmm. bit, but what's so in the box? So in the box is some comfort items. There's a chapstick, tea, a mug, a candle, just some sweet, you know, little things. Um, there's a Bible. There is a Bible study centered on grief. There's a small little booklet of the um, Heaven book, um, you know, that answers just some of those really hard, Mm -hmm. is my baby in heaven? Will I see this baby again? Um, Kinds of questions. And then it has a handwritten note from someone else who has experienced that kind of loss and then invitation and connection into the Hope Mommies community here in the Dallas area. So I went home, did not touch my box for several days. Um, what is the importance of having something like a gift or a box? Well, there's leaving a hospital empty-handed when you are supposed to be leaving with a baby is a pain that cannot I cannot be expressed. What it is like to be wheeled down the hallway, down the elevators, and out the front of the door when you should be holding the baby. Mm-hmm. There's might be an empty car seat if you went in expecting to bring the baby right back home and you're carrying an empty car seat out with you. Um, we left. The hospital did, you know, hand impressions and foot impressions and took a little clipping of his very red hair. I don't know how I ended up oh, with a redhead. Um, and But that's it. That's all we've got. From what should have been a lifetime with this kid, we've got hand and footprint molds ink footprint and a clipping of his hair Mm. but then this box that connects you to other people who have gone through it because I don't care how consciously you understand I am not the first or only person that this has happened to the degree of isolation that it feels like my body has failed to do the thing that it is made to do I could not protect my baby I'm a mom and I couldn't protect my baby and keep him alive um is it's awful Mm -hmm. but to know having that box that says I've been here I know what going home empty-handed feels like and you're not alone is huge and it took me a few days to really go through it but I poured into that bible study in the first few weeks because I was healing from a c-section I had just had full abdominal surgery I'm at home healing like I would be with a baby, but with no one to take care of. Mm-hmm. And what should have been six weeks of paternity leave for my husband was 48 hours of bereavement leave. Oh, wow. Despite the fact that I Sam. was oh. still at home recovering from surgery. Mm-hmm. trying horrible. To, yeah. It, I mean, and his work did a great job of bending the rules and not totally caring and giving him more time. But still, he 
had choice words to say about how very little was different between parental leave and what he was actually having to do with his 48 hours of bereavement leave. Sounds like it should be for a grandma, not for your uh-huh. child. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's exactly um, right. So and I remember in the midst of all that, the night we came home from the hospital, my parents met us at our house and my mom gave me some words that I hold on to to this day. Um, and she looked at me and said, all you want as a parent is to protect your kids and keep them from being hurt. Mm-hmm. She said, as a parent, you would take on your kid's pain anytime if it could keep them from experiencing it. And she said, that is what you've done for Max. He did not feel pain for a second of his life. You're feeling all of it right now. And then she looked at me and said, and if I could feel all of it for, for you, me, I would. Yeah, I was like, that doesn't stop just because your kid <laughs> right. is older. Like, right. He, so, she probably you know, had to be feeling that for you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Feeling all of that, watching me go through it. Um, but that gave me such a perspective of I have, I've known a fullness of motherhood despite having gone through two pregnancies and not having a baby at home at that point, Mm -hmm. which was another part that was so difficult. I mean, if you looked at me on the street, I didn't look like mom. I didn't have a baby. I, Mm -hmm. you know, but I had had two pregnancies, Mm -hmm. two losses, one of which we held our baby. Mm -hmm. We had to physically hand him away to somebody. Um, But if you saw me at the mall, I didn't look like a mom at all. So that invisible motherhood was really, really hard um, during that season. But um, in the midst of all of that, guys, this part of the story is so crazy. My friend Molly had a, we will call it prophetic dream. Um, And one night or one day in probably early April. So Max was born and passed away December 27th of 2016. And then around April of 2017, Molly called me out of the blue one day and goes, hey, are you pregnant? And I said, no, no. Remember how I just had a baby and he died? Not signing up for that again at the moment. Um, But then when I hung up the phone, I was like, I don't think I'm pregnant. Am I pregnant? (laughs) Took a pregnancy test and it was positive. Oh, Oh, my word. Um, And you had no idea. I had no idea. Oh, and before, before I hung up the phone with her, when I told her, what have you been smoking? I do not think I am pregnant. She said, okay, I just had a vivid dream that you had a baby on Max's first birthday. And I did the math and you'd be pregnant for that to be possible. So then hang up the phone, take the pregnancy test. I am pregnant. Go in to my OB, do the whole thing, do the dating. And I was due January 1st of 2018 with a repeat C-section, especially so close after, they were going to do it 39 weeks, which would have been Christmas Day, which is obviously not a day that they schedule surgeries. (laughs) And so my midwife goes, okay, December 26th or December 27th? And then as soon as that came out of her mouth, she was like, oh my gosh, December 27th, are we doing it? Are we avoiding it? And I was like, if it's the day before or the day of, it doesn't feel like it's It's really a choice even. Um, So on December 27th, 2017 after a perfectly typical pregnancy I walked back into the same hospital into the same OR to have another baby boy um, believing that this was a different baby and would be a different outcome Um, a lot of nurses who were there for Max's birth wanted to be there for Lachlan's as well so it was a really neat um, redemptive kind of full circle circle yeah, yeah for a lot of people um, and on December 27th, December 27th of 2017, Lachlan was born on his big brother's first birthday. Um, when our friends came to meet Lachlan, well, my friend Melissa got to be in the OR with us taking photos of Lachlan's birth. So for her, it was a full circle. She had been the one that got the photos of Max for mm-hmm. us and she got to be in there taking literally like Lachlan straight out of my body. Awesome. Um, and then when everybody else came up to meet Lachlan, they brought a new baby balloon and a first birthday balloon, oh, um, yes. which was really, really I'm such an unexpected mm-hmm. gift um, to have Max so clearly remembered and acknowledged mm-hmm. when it would have been 
easy and a lot of people do try to be like okay that part's over (laughs) right like sad parts done now there's a living baby everything's better now um but max is such a part of our family and our lives and our story and so having him acknowledged in that space was really um important and special to us and now on December 27th every year I get number balloons for both boys so Lachlan will get a six this year and we'll have a seven for Max um which is really neat so is Molly like every dream I have I'm calling you right I know I know it's a it's a scary I mean what a special friendship I did yes that she felt comfortable and wasn't just like you know, I'll see what I happens. Well, or, we, but literally called you and was like, hey. and it was it was really hard with her. Our first, my first pregnancy, I found out I was pregnant, and within a week, she found out she was pregnant with her oldest daughter Abby. So for like two weeks, we were pregnant together, and then I started miscarrying. Mm-hmm. And so when she was going to ultrasounds and you know that first kind of hurdle yeah. with her pregnancy, she just asked me. She said, "How are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Do you want to know?" do you want to see an ultrasound picture? Do you want to talk about it? Or do you just need space? And I'd said, if you can handle me being very happy for you and very sad for me all at the same time, we can do it. Um, so she and I, (laughs) what a sweet friendship. Yes. Yeah. It's not, not short of challenges, but somehow navigated that part really, really well through Mm -hmm. something that is very hard for a lot of friendships. Um, and now we like consult people and advise when that happens because it's really common for close mm-hmm. friends to have mirrored pregnancies and one to have a loss and another to not. And it it gets really messy. And so um, we do a lot of telling people, giving tips on how to navigate that really difficult part of friendship in this life stage. So yes. you brought up the nurses. I don't think yeah. I really think about the nurses and the doctors that have to watch their patients go oh. through a still a stillbirth. Like right. That's. That hurts their heart too. Just Absolutely. As much as it I mean, people people go into nursing, especially labor and delivery nursing, or you know, itty bitties, NICU, all of that, because they love yeah. babies. They love bringing life into the world. Mm-hmm. And when you go into work for your shift that day, thinking I'm going to get mm-hmm. to help these moms bring babies into the world, and then you end up spending that shift giving a bath to a baby that has deceased and having to show dignity and care through that. It's, I mean, it's unbelievable. My night nurse that first night, um, stayed up and made me like a bracelet with Max's name and some other Mm -hmm. little things, just like keepsakes, um, to be able to have, they, you know, just like in a regular hospital, you can't walk around with your baby. Like you can't go in the hallway with them. They push them in the Mm -hmm. bassinet. They have like a little Moses basket that they um, carry deceased babies in instead of holding them. Um, And so they did a very good job of taking something that no one wants to do. You don't, you don't want to be the nurse that has to do that. You want to be the one that has the cute babies Mm -hmm. and the first time 26 year old mom who's having the time of her life, not the one who can't stop crying and yelling at the world. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Oh my goodness. Sam, your story is hard (laughs) and sad and gut wrenching at the same time you have a optimism and a positivity (laughs) about the world that is sweet, um, to see and listen to. And again, this is the first time I've heard your story in its totality and you have a way of sharing it that is, um, very sweet and has some empathy for the people even that are hearing it. So thank you for sharing. I do. So what do you feel like when you're I mean, one thing that struck me too are the people that were around you that were coming to visit you that Mm -hmm. were also pregnant. Mm -hmm. I mean, that takes courage, I think, on all fronts. You to be like, yes, be around me, and them to be like, this scares me to death because I'm about to Mm -hmm. do this, this, and now I'm really afraid. So how, so is your kind of, now we talked about the friendship some, Mm -hmm. you know, as we're kind of closing this up, I mean, I'm struck by just relationally how much it seems like it's brought your group together even in that hard we um I remember Spencer very you know in those earliest days once I was home and didn't have the baby and there were the three-month-old babies that you know were born right before Max would have been and we had a baby shower to throw 
gosh, Kate was born in May. So maybe two months after Max was born, we were trying to do a baby shower and they did not tell me about the baby shower planning. And I was really offended and really hurt because I was like, I'm sad and this is going to be hard, but I don't want to be left out on top of being sad Mm -hmm. and it being hard. And so we talked through that. But at one point when I was not feeling terribly empathetic to other people and was very much in my own woe is me, um, my husband Spencer was like, you know, this happened mostly to us, but this happened to everybody. He was like, no one who was in that room or who knew us and knew Max, no one who was in that room and knew us or knew Max is the same person that they were before that happened. They have all been touched by this kind of grief and loss. And you know that every one of those girls who's pregnant is terrified, Um, which really gave me greater empathy beyond kind of the woe is me um, space. And it was really hard. One of my friends Um, at the time she found out she was pregnant with her son um, maybe three weeks after I miscarried our first baby and she is just one of those people who the world is rainbows and butterflies and that is such a gift to people around her but when I was in a space that it was very much not I did not appreciate it Mm -hmm. Um, I did not react well to kind of the naive everything is going to be great um, persona that again, it's just who she is and a beautiful thing about her. Um, her son was born in October and then Max was born two months later. And, um, at the time her son was the only boy in our group for like over a year until Lachlan was born. Um, and I just remember (coughs) really, really struggling to be around her and her baby. I was okay with ones that didn't mirror my experience quite so closely, Um, But something about the everything is great, this is so wonderful, plus the sun made it really, really hard. And I didn't talk about it. I just kind of distanced myself a bit. And at one point, she um, actually kind of called me out on it. Not called me out, but said, what What did I do? Like, can we talk about it? What did I do? Why aren't we close anymore? And um, the Lord had actually laid it on my heart maybe a week beforehand. Um, And the parable of um the workers in the vineyard where in the parable worker goes or the landowner goes out in the morning hires people to come in goes out again mid-morning hires more people midday hires some more and hires some at the end of the day and then when it's time to pay the wages pays everybody the same and um the people that worked all day start grumbling right? Like, this isn't fair. This isn't what I signed up for. They worked an hour and I've been here for 12. Why would you do that? And um, the landowner's response is, do you begrudge me my generosity? And the Lord had laid that so hard on my heart that it wasn't fair for me to begrudge his generosity to other people just because my story looked different. We had just, um, it, it was a lot, a lot of things to process through, a lot of inner work and choosing to see outside of myself and outside of my circumstances. But I mean, we've been, we haven't been at the same church now in over two or three years and they are still the people who show up every time we need somebody and vice versa, all the birthday parties, all the things, they will be our people until we die. Mm. That's sweet. (laughs) Well, I know you got to go. Um, Thank you so much. That's a sweet note to yeah. um, end it on. And um, But thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for writing for us for the blog. Mm-hmm. We super appreciate that. That's great. <laughs> Thanks for giving me we a place do. to just put my thoughts we into the world, that. guys. I think, what did you respond back? Um, hopefully it won't get... Ho- hopefully I wouldn't ruffle too many feathers, feathers, I think was what I said with my last yeah. one. And I was like, well, shoot, now I've got to read it. Now, 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 yeah, now. Right now. You wrote. It was... That was good. Oh my goodness. That yeah. was good. Um, who's writing this week? I, I, like, I need to check if it's me. It's not you. I would have already texted you. It's Bethany. I am on my A game this week. Yay. Uh-huh. I am not. So I appreciate the fact that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so thank you for sh- coming and sharing with us. We appreciate it. Thank, thank you for, for having coming me. to our podcast, Noisy Narratives. 
I love any excuse to talk about that sweet firstborn of mine. So, well, thanks for giving me one. <laughs> well, and if you have friends that have gone through this and they yes. have share the story, yes. But then Sam's also very available. Yes, so I am very available. She's um, on Instagram and Facebook. I am on Facebook and Instagram. You can um, contact us here, and we could put yeah, you in touch easy. with Sam too. Yeah, so. no, I think just bringing awareness to loss, making sure people know that well, they are not alone, that it. you can talk about talk it. Talk about the loss, whether it's early loss. Yes. I mean, with that first baby I didn't get to hold that baby I didn't get to know that baby I didn't get to name that baby and so the loss was different but it was still huge it was loss of expectation and what I thought motherhood would be and the naivety of pregnant of a first pregnancy and it being fun and joyful all of that was lost Mm -hmm. with that miscarriage and so there was so much to deal with and then a totally different experience when I made it all the way through and held the baby and he had a name and was alive um, so no matter where it is and don't let people, um, like if someone's lost at eight weeks or in <clears throat> four weeks or still, sure. still born, all of it's a loss. Yes. Yeah. And if you need to process it's that. Di- it is different, but it is not harder or less hard, right. more important, less important. It's just different. Um, it and different. we get, we get to acknowledge all of it. I remember and care for each other together. Yeah, I remember expecting that that kind of loss would make me be like, big deal, like first world problems, guys. My baby died. Don't tell me about this hard thing with Max or your miscarriage. With with Max after Max, I wanted to like yes, and I thought that would be my natural inclination forever would be to be like, don't talk to me about that kind of loss. Let me tell you what loss is. But it's really done the opposite. I'm Mm -hmm. like, your dog died. That's awful. I am so sorry. Well, that is such feel- a deep grief and a loss. Mm-hmm. And I can empathize with all kinds of losses, not just But you're a believer. That. Yes. I think that's a, a difference too. Like you're a walking <laughs> disciple of Christ that walks in the spirit. And I think people that don't do that, you can still be like, mm, mine's still yeah. worse than yours. Sure. But anyway, so we know we look forward to seeing him again one day and mm-hmm. our family being complete and... Um, if you ever are around my four-year-old daughter or five-year-old son and they start talking about Max, it's just what we do. It's yeah, not, I have to warn teachers that mm-hmm. this small person might talk about a dead sibling and it is real and they are okay and we're all that's okay. Right. And right. this is just how, what we do. Yep. So that's so good. That's that healthy good. too. That's a healthy way to handle it. <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you guys. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming. And um, that's it from us for this week. That's it from Noisy Narratives. Um, until next week, this is Noisy Narratives out. Bye. Life can be amazing.